Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. So yes, my name's Rebecca. I am um, a student at Malian, but I'm also a lecturer there. So I teach in the Pastoral Skills and Methods um, unit at Malian College as well, which has been yeah, an interesting concept to be both a student and a lecturer at the same place, but it's been really amazing. It's given me a great opportunity to combine my faith um, with my, my job, which is as a psychologist. Um, so I guess I'm coming today in a, a very professional capacity to talk about faith and mental health, but I'm also coming in a very personal capacity. So um, I am very familiar with mental health concerns and diagnoses, both through my job, but also through my life. So my mom um, has lived most of her life with depression, and my dad is, um, has experiences anxiety. Um, and as is very common in families such as these, things get passed on. <laughs> so I have also lived with both depression and anxiety across my 40 years or so on this earth. So it's something that I'm coming to speak to you from, not just kind of from a very um, theological or you know, practical standpoint, but also from lived experience. I've, this is the sort of path that I walk each and every day. In fact, um, my anxiety is social anxiety, is a particular thing that I have, so I'm actually quite terrified just right now, <laughs> just standing up and talking to you all. Um, and I had many anxious thoughts about doing this, like, why did I agree to do this? I shouldn't be coming. What am I, like, I'm never going to do this again. This is, so I had all of these anxious thoughts coming up about coming here today, and, um, which is very, I guess, apt, because what we're talking about in particular today is Moses and obedience. So we're going to have a look at that concept of um, hearing and following God's call in our life, even though we may be anxious about it or we may be feeling a bit low about it or depressed about it. So this is kind of the concept that we'll be looking at today. Um, and we'll follow one each of the following um, three weeks that I come back. We're going to have a look at a different um, um, person from the Bible and just to look at the emotions and that that they sort of grappled with and experienced as they, as they sort of walked through um, doing what God has called them to do. Um, oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm like, I knew there was something else. Um, as Bob said, like, mental health does not, is not talked about in the Bible. There's, it's not kind of mentioned. It didn't kind of wasn't um, recognised back then as a thing as it is today. Um, so we can't actually like diagnose any biblical characters with this mental illness or that mental illness or whatever But what we can do is have a look at the emotions The Bible talks a lot about emotions and attributes emotion to many of the biblical characters that we read about um, So we're going to have a look at some of the emotions that came up for these big big people in the Bible And what that meant for their life as they sort of faithfully served God There's a big introduction. Sorry. I think we're good all right, let's see if my clicker works. I was told maybe it's not going to on the first one. There we go. So Moses is a hugely significant figure in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. In fact, his story takes up four whole books of the Hebrew Bible. That's huge, right? That's a, a lot of, that's a big chunk of, of the Bible to um, have your story in. So we're going to have a look sort of do a sweeping overview of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the story of Moses, while honing in on some sort of key snapshots or moments of Moses' life 
and what that means when we're thinking about this whole topic of faith and mental health. Um, so in Exodus 2 to 4, we learn that Moses was born in, born in Egypt um, and sort of grew up there before fleeing to Midian um, and then was called back to Egypt. So that's kind of like the overview of chapters 2 to 4. So when we look at his birth, and I'm going to, do, I'm going to forget to do the flicker, I'm really good at forgetting to do the flicker. Um, so when we look at his birth, it's really quite significant, right? Um, by all accounts, Moses shouldn't have survived infancy. Um, so at the time of his birth, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, basically had said, like, the Israelites are getting too big, I'm really, like, they could take over, so I'm going to kill all of the Israelites, male Israelites, at birth. Um, so Moses was, you know, really shouldn't have even got past infancy. It was quite incredible. So Moses' family um, hid him and put him in the basket and into the river. Does everyone know this story? And Pharaoh's, you know, um, daughter comes down and finds him. Um, and I love that Moses' sister was there watching and she's like, oh, I know a great family that can help, you know, like look after Moses until he's old enough. Um, and so Moses was put in this really unique position of being those early years, being invested in those early years in Israelite faith and learning about God and what that meant for his people, but also growing up in the Egyptian court with, with Pharaoh's daughter as his child. So he's kind of like this man of two worlds, a man that shouldn't have even survived and yet had this opportunity to live, learn about the Israelite way of life, but also the Egyptian way of life. So his birth is very kind of significant in his, as we go on to see. Um, the next little bit I wanted to focus on was when um, he fled to Midian. So in Exodus 2, 11 to 12, we get this kind of first glimpse of almost Moses acting out of emotion, acting very impulsively. Um, so he views or he sees an Egyptian maltreating or mistreating some Israelites, right? And so he has this big surge of, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming anger, and he runs in and he kills the Egyptian in this kind of fit of, kind of rage. Or you just get, I get this image in my head of him, you know, acting out of this big, like, this is unfair, this shouldn't be happening, you know, that's not right, and sort of very impulsively killing this Egyptian. However, he finds out later that he was seen, and this is when we first glimpse this anxiety that comes up. Moses is scared. You know, he's really scared that... This is going to go further. There's going to be consequences. So it's fear that he runs away. He gets this, you know, he runs and flees to Midian to escape the consequences of killing the Egyptian. Um, and so this shows a few things. One, it shows the emotion that was going on for Moses at the time and kind of that was really um, guiding or pushing his, his actions. But it also shows Moses' allegiance to Israel. Yeah, so there's early years with his family they were really significant, and they gave him this sense of belonging to the Israelite community. So when he saw those Israelites being mistreated, um, he acted out of this great sense of this is not okay. Um, so when he was in Midian, he meets Jethro and his family. He marries, marries one of Jethro's daughters, starts a family, and becomes part of that, that wider family group. And um, as part of that, his role is to look after the sheep of the family. So he's a shepherd for a little while in Midian. Um, and this is where this big moment happens, a burning bush, yeah? Everyone knows this story? When Moses and God comes down in the burning bush and talks to Moses. 
Um, and I wanted to have a little look at this moment in particular. So this is Moses' calling, right? This is a really significant part of Moses' life when he's actually, God calls him back to Egypt. Um, and I just wanted to run through the little exchange that happens here. I love this exchange because I think there are, as we go through and we look at sort of what Moses throws back to God, there is a heap of what ifs. Yeah? So the heap of like, but what if this happens and what if that happens? So he's thinking ahead. And when I hear any kind of what if questions, I'm like, oh, that's anxiety right there. So if you have experienced anxiety before, you'll know what I'm talking about with the what if questions, yeah? I get them all the time, even about coming here today. I'm just like, all of the what ifs. Um, you know, what if I stuff up? What if I trip up the stairs? What if this happens? What if that happens? So there's all these what ifs that come up and anxiety is just awesome at what ifs, at filling in the blanks and usually catastrophizing it, like making it way worse than it's actually going to be. Um, so thought we'd just step three. So when God initially calls Moses and says, hey, Moses, go back to Egypt. I've heard what's happening to the people back there and it's not okay. I need you to go in and, and, and tell Pharaoh to let them go. Um, so Moses first says, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So this is his first kind of what if. I'm, I'm a nobody, you know, I'm, I'm not anybody. I couldn't do that. Um, but God is really, um, he doesn't get angry at Moses at this stage. You know, he's really understanding. And he's like, it's okay, I'll be with you. You know, so he's encouraging Moses. He's kind of like, he's like that little support person there that is encouraging Moses on, which is something that, I talk about a lot in my job when people are anxious and not wanting to do something. It's like, oh, who, who, who can you sort of ring in, you know, as a support person to come with you and help you along? Um, so I love that. But that's not enough for Moses. Moses is like, suppose I go. So here's a what if. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So here's another what if. Here's a like, what if this happens? I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and again, God is really gracious and supportive. He doesn't say, don't be silly, Moses, like get over it. He's like, oh, I'll give you my name. I am who I am. So he tells Moses the name to take to the Israelites. And then this is what I really love, because again, this is another strategy I use all the time. He actually breaks down the plan for Moses. He's like, this is what's going to happen, Moses. This is exactly what's going to happen when you get there. And again, this is a strategy I use all the time in my work. It's like, if you take out as much of the unknown as you can, there's less for anxiety to kind of get its hooks into, if that makes sense. There's less for it to fill in the gaps. So Moses is being really gentle with Moses. He's kind of giving him what he needs in these anxious thoughts to do what God's called him to do. So the next one... So he's given this whole plan out and Moses is like, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? So another what if. So even though Moses has got the whole plan now, he knows exactly what God's going to do. He's still like, what if they don't listen? So this is where God, again, is just like so patient with Moses and he gives him signs. Yeah, so um, when he throws his staff on the ground, it becomes a snake and when he picks it up, it's a staff again or... He puts his um, hand sort of in his cloak and when he pulls it out, um, there's leprosy and he puts it back in and it's healed again. Um, and he also tells Moses that, you know, when you're there, um, you'll have the ability to turn the Nile and you're into blood. So he gives him all these special kind of signs 
to say that, to show that God is with him, that God's got his back, that he's supporting him. So it's God, all these what ifs, and yet God is patient with Moses. He supports him, he gives him what he needs in order to follow his call. And I love that. And here we come to the last what if, but this one is a little bit different. So Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So again, he's sort of more excuses, more reasoning. And it's like, but I've, I've given you, who gives people words? It's me, like it's okay. So you can sort of see, I don't know, I feel like the, the impatience is, seek, is, is in here a little bit now, um, but it's the next one that's the real kicker. So Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Do you see the difference between the what if and the please send someone else? Do you see that? So the what ifs and that, that's the anxiety talking. That's the, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on here. All these terrible things could happen. I really don't want to go. Here, Moses is saying no. He's flat out saying no to God. I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do. And do you know what the very next verse says? It says, um, sorry, I've lost it in my little thing. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. And I love that it wasn't the anxiety that did that. It wasn't those anxious thoughts. God was patient. He scaffolded. He provided what Moses, is need, Moses needed. As soon as it was disobedience, as soon as Moses said, I'm not going to do that, that's when the Lord's anger burned so do you see the difference there? It's like we can have anxieties about what God is calling us to do, but he's still calling us to do those things. And it's the disobedience, it's when we say no, that we're letting God down or we're not doing what he's called us to. So I love that little exchange. I think it shows a lot about where Moses was and, yeah, God and who he chooses, I suppose, as well, and the way that he supports us. Um... So in the next little chapter, in Exodus 5 to 40, we've got this, um, Moses does, obviously goes back. So Moses um, goes back with Aaron. God gives, he says, well, take Aaron with you. He's what he ends up saying, and he can speak for you. And so Moses and Aaron go back before Pharaoh, and we see all the signs, yeah? So there's all these signs because Pharaoh's not listening, and Moses is trying to, or God is trying to convince Pharaoh to change his heart. And eventually... Pharaoh um, agrees to let the Israelites um, leave um, only after, though, um, all of the firstborn um, in all the firstborn males in Egypt die, which is like heartbreaking, such a heartbreaking part of the story that this is the point it got to. So Moses then takes the Israelites and leads them on the Exodus out of Egypt. He leads them through the wilderness and to Mount Sinai, a very significant sort of place which we will have a look at. Um, But before we do, I think there's another little interesting snippet that happens in the wilderness while the Israelites are kind of wandering through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. In Exodus 18, 1 to 27, we read that Jethro, so Moses' father-in-law, comes to visit Moses and the Israelites. Um, And he kind of sits back and watches how Moses is going with this whole call that God has placed on his life, really. And he notices something interesting, that Moses is doing it all. And as I read this, I think it reminded me of one way that um, I often deal with anxiety, and I think a lot of people do, 
is through control or a perception of control, probably more um, accurately. And that is we do everything, we plan everything, we make sure there's no kind of things that could possibly happen outside of, of what we've planned, you know. And as we plan, it kind of eases that anxiety because we know exactly what's happening because we're in control, we've got it all worked out, it's all sorted. Um, and this is kind of what uh, Moses was doing here. He was kind of, he was doing everything, you know, he's hearing all of the complaints, he was making all the judgments, he was doing everything. And, and having that sort of, I guess, yeah, sense of control over, over the Israelites and his role, his call. Um, but to Moses' credit, he listened to Jethro. And I'd like to point out here that Jethro didn't say, oh, this is anxiety is getting out of control, Moses. Like, look at you. Like, that's it. I, I don't think you can do this anymore. Find a new leader. You know, that's not what, not, what, not what Jethro said. He said, you know, appoint people, find other leaders. So you're the main dude. You, you still, you know, deal with the really serious kind of judgments and stuff. But we can pass this on to other people. You can share the load so that it's not all on you all of the time. And Moses listened and he imported people and there was this kind of process then of leadership that happened for the Israelites where it wasn't all on Moses all of the time. But I thought that was just a really interesting little snippet too of how Moses was kind of managing with his call in the context of all those anxious thoughts that he seemed to live with. So out, out Mount Sinai now. Um, so this is really significant because this is where Moses went up the mountain and received kind of instructions for the Israelites about how to live as the people of God. Um, and as part of that, he was given the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets, yeah? So he was coming down with the stone tablets from the mountain with all of these instructions. And these instructions were really important because it was all part of the covenant that God had made between himself and the people. Yeah, so these were kind of like the stipulations. This is what it means to be in covenant with me, to have a relationship with me. This is how people will know that you are my people. Um, but as Moses was coming down, do you remember what he found when he got down at the end of the, um, under the mountain? There was a golden calf, yeah? So the people, while Moses was gone, had created this calf and was worshipping it. And we see this another, you know, sort of surge of emotion from Moses, because what does he do as he's coming down? He throws the stone tablets and they, they break. He destroys these words from God because of the anger at seeing what the Israelites have done. Um, but, thankfully, his anger eases and he steps into interceding for the Israelites. God was ready to smite them. God was like, that is it. Like, I am done with the Israelites. Um, but Moses actually steps up. And again, we see him as this kind of man of two worlds. So he started off as a man between, you know, the Israelites and the Egyptians. Here, he's kind of like the... Um, intermediary between God and the people. So again, he's kind of like in these two worlds again, which is, when you think about it, quite huge for somebody to be holding. Um, but yeah, really interesting little... So after Mount Sinai, we move into Leviticus, and this is basically just a book of all the instructions that God gave the Israelites for how to live like the people of God. These um, instructions continue into Numbers, um, and then we sort of get back to the narrative of um, the Israelite story. Um, so we hear about them leaving Sinai and getting to the borders of Canaan or the, the promised land, the land that God had, had promised them as part of the covenant. Um, so I don't know if you remember this story, but they sent spies in to go check it out and see what it was like. The spies came back and most of them 
um, were like, no way. Like, these people are too strong. There's no way we can take them on. Um, except you remember for Joshua, and I always forget the other spy's name. There was another one, wasn't there? That was like, no, no, we can do it. Um, so because of that, though, because of the lack of faith of the Israelites, they set, they're sent back out into the wilderness. So this time in the wilderness, um, as usual, the Israelites were complaining. So I think when you read through this whole story, you just get a sense of how much the Israelites complained. <laughs> and I often think we can be quite cruel to the Israelites, but I'm like, I kind of complain a lot too. So, you know, I think it's something that's very human, <laughs> things that humans do. Um, so this time they were complaining about having nothing to drink. Um, so God speaks to Moses and says, um, you know, speak to the rock, this rock that's here, and water will come forth. Now, what Moses does here is really interesting because there was another um, example, a very similar situation um, back before, before they got to Sinai, where, um, again, the Israelites complaining and not that, about not having water, and God tells Moses to strike the rock and the water will come forth. And I almost wonder if there's some of that little control seeping back in again here because it's kind of like repeating the formula, right? Like, this worked before, so I'll just do this again. Or maybe there was some frustration. They kind of like whacked the rock. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But there was something there that prevented Moses from following through with God's instructions. Um, The water still came forth, but there was a consequence for Moses. He wasn't going to enter the promised land. Um, because in that moment he chose not to follow what God had told him to do for whatever reason. We're nearly there, guys. Deuteronomy. (laughs) So Deuteronomy starts with a review of Israel's journey, so we sort of get the highlights reel um, of the journey. And um, we also get this moment of renewing the covenant. So Israel and God sort of like Israel saying, yes, we want to be God's people, this is really what we want to do. Um, and then we see Moses handing over the leadership to Joshua, so then one of the spies that went in and was like, yeah, we've got this, we can do it. Um, and then we hear we read of Moses' death right on the boundaries of the promised land. Um, and I just love in this, this snippet of the review of the Israelites' journey, I think you really get a sense of the way that Moses followed God's call. It's kind of like, you know, as he's handing over to Joshua, we get this beautiful... Um, overview of of Moses, how faithful Moses was as he just continually did what God wanted him to do in often very difficult circumstances. Um, And so we get this sense of Moses like finishing well, if that makes sense, and and being able to hand over to Joshua knowing that the Israelites were in good hands, that Joshua was also going to be faithful. Um, And and he was, He he led the Israelites into the promised land. Um, and where they they set up. So it's kind of like this this beautiful kind of like combination of what God um, wanted for the Israelites coming coming to pass, um, and much of it because of Moses. So what can we learn from Moses as we hear this kind of big big overview of his story? And I think when I read about Moses and I see the emotion that he had and the, the emotion that he lived with and somehow, sometimes how that emotion impacted what he did, um, I think that those, those feelings and even mental health concerns don't disqualify us from serving God. I think sometimes we sort of think that if we have a mental health diagnosis or we're struggling with anxiety or we're struggling with depression, that somehow 
we can't then do what God's calling us to do. Like, it's not okay. Um, but I, I like what um, was said earlier. I've forgotten your name. Sorry. Yeah, in the service, but about that sense that the world's not right. And I think that's really apt. I'll talk more about this in the fourth week. But I think mental health concerns are, are simply a product of living in a world that is fallen. That's not okay. And as God's people, we're in this fallen world, like it or not. And I think the evidence that we're God's people is not a lack of mental health. It's our love for one another and how we support one another, even if we are struggling with things like mental health or physical kind of, you know, illnesses or conditions or whatever it is. Um, So I think that's an important differentiation. Like being a Christian doesn't mean a lack of mental health. They can be both, you know. So we can step out and we can faithfully serve and follow God's call in our life while also having mental health concerns. The two are not mutually exclusive. Um, And I think part of that is the way that Moses kept that relationship with God happening. You know, he was always talking with God. He was always connecting with him. And I think that's a huge key that as we are stepping out in faith and we may have these feelings of anxiety or depression or whatever it is is coming up for us, you know, that's what we can be doing too. You know, we can be going to God and saying, hey, like, I know you want me to do this, but oh my gosh, I'm like terrified right now and I don't think I can. And that's the way that we can, you know, bring God in on that and he can be there and supporting us. But I think it's also important to have people around us. So I think, you know, we can be seeking out those people just like Jethro came and supported Moses. You know, he didn't kick Moses out of the role. He supported him to do his job in a way that the anxiety wouldn't kind of interfere or take over. So we can be those people for others who might be experiencing things like anxiety or depression. Um, or, and, or we can, you know, be drawing those people in, you know, finding those godly people in our lives that can help, that can scaffold and support to make it possible to do what we believe God is calling us to do. And I think this is really important um, that we have both that God support but also the people support around us. Um, and I think that's one way that we can be obedient and live in faith while having mental health concerns at the same time. Um, beautiful. I, I just wanted to pray, if that's all right, before we finish up. Um, hmm. Dear Lord God, um, I'd just like to thank you that you have gifted us with the Bible this incredible narrative of the people of God. Um, And I just thank you that the people that we see in there, like Moses, who were called by you and lived faithfully, weren't perfect. (laughs) Far from. They had feelings. They did things wrong. And I thank you for that example, dear Lord. I thank you that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be um, without mental illness or we don't have to be 100% in order to faithfully live and serve you in a world that is fallen, that is not right. Um, So I just pray that your presence would be very real to each and every one of us today. Um, And I just pray that you know those people out there who are kind of experiencing anxiety or depression or whatever else it is, I just pray that you'd be close to them, that they'd know your presence um, and that you would be an encouragement, just like you encouraged Moses um, to go ahead and, and complete the call that is on their lives. And I just pray for those of us that um, might not be struggling with anxiety or depression or or anything else, that 
that we might have compassion and that we might see people as you see them um, and that we might reach out and be the support um, that you are, that we might be your hands and feet um, to these people who, to people who are struggling with mental health concerns. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.